hello, my friends. Welcome back to Pensive Politics with Mr. Watson. I am most certainly your host forever and eternally, Christian Watson. It is so good to be with you guys here today, right in front of you. Again, in the third day so far, the second full day, but the third day so far of Joe Biden's presidential administration. And we're going to get into all of that because there are so, there's so much we have to talk about. I wish we had more than 49 minutes. I wish we could go on for like two hours because there's so much I have to talk about with you guys today. The, the principles which manifest the American experiment are under detrimental assault. And this is not just doomsaying or alarmism. This is backed up by empirical evidence. And Biden is trying to revision and reimagine the role of the individual in American society, the role of the worker in American society. He's trying to do so much from the executive branch, from the from the seat of power, of the resolute desk. He is trying to do so much. He's trying to muster up so much conceptual authority to affect reality because the conceptual is ultimately the real. The ideas are sometimes more real than we think they are. They are quite real because people manifest ideas all day, all the time. And Biden is taking that principle, he's inverting it, and slipping in things that I think are absolutely pernicious to the survival of the American experiment, pernicious to the, to the preservation of natural rights, pernicious to you as an individual in society, primarily because of the metaphysical significance that you as an individual in society possess by merely being an individual, by merely being a person, by merely being a conscious being, by merely existing in the world. There is something significant about you. And this is a both a political statement and a non-political statement. This is a statement that has political implications, but it has a genesis in the non-political and simply the metaphysical. There is something divinely special about each and every one of you listening to me are not listening to me because you are a human being. You have, as Aristotle said, a rational soul. You have something so special, so tantamount, so paramount to fully grasping the world, so paramount to living within the confines and the boundaries of the natural law, so paramount to living morally and responsibly, so paramount to making a change and a difference in someone's life, in their political life, in their private life. You have something so powerful, and I'm afraid that Joe Biden is completely and utterly assaulting that thing. He doesn't know that he is. He's not some evil villain with this plan to destroy all these principled uh, bastions that make you who you are and make America what America is. He simply has a paradigm phrased in the or uh, cloak in the ornate garments of egalitarianism and a botched understanding of equity that he puts on and that he puts on his policies. And then proceeds to act in that garment. Emerson said in On Society and Solitude, which was an article he wrote for The Atlantic. Um, this is back when The Atlantic was a more sane paper, a more sane magazine. It would originally started as an abolitionist effort to talk about how abolitionism was abhorrent and terrible. And Emerson was one of the founders of The Atlantic. It's now turned into something much more um, pretentious and condescending to average Americans, I think. But this was when he was, was at the helm of the Atlantic. He wrote about society and solitude. And, and Raphael Emerson, one of the greatest American philosophers to ever exist, he said that when you interact with society, when you interact with the world, 
it is okay to do that, but make sure to put on your garb. Make sure to wear your garb to the interaction. Make sure to wear your garb to whatever you're doing. What you wear, who you are, that is what matters ultimately. So whose garb is Biden wearing? That's the question we're going to ask today. Whose garb is Biden wearing? And why is he wearing that garb? And if he's not wearing anyone else's garb, then why is his garb fashioned in such a way that it has so many things that are contrary to what I just mentioned? Um, so we'll talk about some things that have happened with the Biden administration. We'll also talk about some things that have been happening um, <clears throat> with the potential of America possibly going overseas again or possibly launching another war effort. Because unfortunately, Biden has a paradigm that America is back in the world and that it's going to have a more pronounced place in the world. That concerns me for several reasons. That concerns me because Biden is essentially, tra- he's essentially transmitting the feed from the Obama administration from the eight or so years of bombings, of extrajudicial killings of American citizens, of, of, uh, uh, of us usurping and deposing dictators and then leaving the countries in chaos, of us going after a fugitive Joseph Coney, which we still haven't caught. There's so much incompetence and recklessness birthed from the belly of the beast of militarism, enslaved beneath the foot of the military-industrial complex. That is the thing. That is the spirit that Biden is embodying in his policy decisions, especially as it relates to foreign affairs. So we'll also analyze that and much more on this episode of Pensa Politics with me, your host, Christian Watson. We are on the Fed by Ravens radio network. We are broadcasting to you live on the Fed by Ravens radio network. We're also on YouTube. Or if you guys want to watch the video version, we are also on all, all the platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts at, this show shows up. This show shows up. We are everywhere. We're on every platform. So wherever you want to listen to us, however you want to listen to us, whether it's by video or just audio, you know where to go. You know how to do it. Um, I wanted to say a word about um, the Fed by Ravens network before I get started on my monologue. Fed by Ravens has been one of the most extraordinary occurrences in my life. They have taught me so much about broadcast. They taught me so much about commentary. They have honed me or let me hone myself, so to speak, uh, so I can prepare myself for this career, this world that I'm going into. And I couldn't be more grateful for that. I couldn't be more thankful for that. And like one of some of my favorite shows on the network include The Brian Hyde Show. I mean, Brian Hyde, Brian is just a very nice guy, an awesome guy. If you guys are listening to me on any platform that I'm on and you don't know who Brian Hyde is, search him up. He is a very good guy. He cares about liberty. He cares about individualism. He is a good guy. I encourage you to listen to him. He has insightful, intelligent, philosophically based even takes uh, on a lot of issues that are uh, currently pertinent to our um, uh current iteration of American society. Then you have the Joe Carey show. Mr. Carey is just, and if you're listening to Mr. Carey, it's Mr. Carey. How you doing? Hello. Mr. Carey is just beyond excellent. Um, every, I listen to his show every time, every time it's on, when I can. I have class around two o'clock. So I try, sometimes I'll be sneaking into class with my headphones on, my Bluetooth headphones on, trying to listen to him a little bit, because that's just how much I love his content. And I will sometimes go back on the Spotify for our network and I'll listen to him there too. Joe Carey is phenomenal. So if you guys 
are going to want any content that is good, intellectually honest, and stimulating from a conservative libertarian viewpoint, I encourage you, please sign up for the Fed by Ravens Network. You can just type in Fed by Ravens on Google. We'll take you to our website. Or you can download the app on the Apple Store, the App Store, or the Google Play Store. Fed by Ravens. It'll be there. It'll be good for you. All right, my friends. Let's get let's get into this topic. Joe Biden in his first three days of office, two full days, is uprooting the principal basis of so many policies and ideas that righteously inspire America. It's a, it's a shame almost. It's actually a, a, a tantamount, paramount shame. So CNN.com came out with an article today saying, here are the 30 executive orders and actions Biden signed in his first three days. Again, two full days so far, one half day. So here are some of the orders that he signed. On January 22nd, which is today, he has signed a restoration of collective bargaining power and worker protections for federal workers, and he has laid the foundation for a $15 minimum wage. Okay, so I think the proper minimum wage is zero, first of all. Second of all, the minimum wage is an arbitrary requirement for uh, people to to wield their property in a manner that pleases society. It is an extension of this public good egalitarian moral outrage nonsense. So the minimum wage, even when it operates federally, because there is no such thing as a public property or public institution. Look, because if there is such thing as a public institution, public property, then everyone should be able to use that property or use that institution to whatever end they want to or to an end that could help their self-interest. But if you are in a national park after a certain amount of time, you're evicted. If you were on government property when it's closed, you're evicted. If it truly is public, then why isn't there a uh, sort of collective ownership of the effort? Because the collective ownership of the effort, this sort of idea that public ownership is collective ownership, is nonsensical. There is no collective ownership. It is owned by a particular authority, which is staffed by particular people who have created a term that does not correspond to reality to capture the delusions. That is what public property is. I say that, say this. When a $15 minimum wage comes into effect, what happens, do you think? On the federal level, the government, even the government has to economize, as parasitic as it is, as economically inept as it often is, as Keynesian as it is, even the government has to economize. So how do you think the government is going to handle a $15 minimum wage increase for all, not just federal employees, but all federal contractors as well? So even if you are a private company and you are getting money from the federal government, you will be forced to give your employees a $15 minimum wage. What This is going to have a seismic impact on property rights and doubly a seismic impact on business' ability to operate efficiently. We understand what the problems of the minimum wage are. I don't have to tell you that. You understand what the problems are. But Biden wants to usurp. Private companies. And he, he wants to go beyond just the government, of course, by the way. This is just like the, the first shot at the bullseye. There will be, be more shots by the Biden administration trying to extend this to private business as well. 
Biden wants to usurp the will of the private actor and supplant it with his own morally righteous will. Morally sanctimonious, I should probably say, will. That should concern you. Another executive order. It calls for assistance to those who are struggling to buy food, missed out on stimulus, or are unemployed. Well, I, I can tell you how you can fix one of those things. If they're unemployed, you can, here's something you can do very easily. You can stop shutting down the economy. You can respect property rights. And I promise you, them being unemployed is the cause of those other two factors, struggling to buy food or missing out on stimulus checks. Why do they need stimulus checks because they're unemployed? Why can't they buy food? They don't have any money because they're unemployed. Why are they unemployed? Because the government is sanctimoniously shutting businesses down and progressive governors are still sanctioning businesses that do not want to abide by restrictive, caustic measures that would affect them, their livelihood, and violate their rights. Biden's not addressing any of that in, this, in these orders. Biden is continuing the status quo. He is continuing to operate within the paradigm of destruction. He invoked the Defense Protection Act to ramp up vaccine production, even though the federal government just ran out of its reserve of vaccines, which is probably why he's doing that, but still, scarcity exists. So you just, I don't have to go through all 30 of these for you to see just how fantastical they are, how deluded these measures are. These measures are trying to tackle concepts, issues that are much bigger than the agencies of the federal government because executive orders ultimately affect the agencies of the federal government. The government is trying to control so many aspects of reality that it has no authority or no dominion over. This is the, 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 the primary problem with the Biden presidency, and it's the primary problem with a lot of conceptions of progressivism, too. Progressives have good intentions, but they oftentimes have a very unethical means of executing those atten- intentions. So you have these executive orders, many of which don't address the underlying issues of poverty and the COVID crisis, many of, some of which institute the racial equity and racial justice notion uh, of diversity training back into institutions that are either affiliated with the government or the government itself. I mean, you have so many things happening that do absolutely nothing but erode the ability for one to challenge these things without being seen as subversive, without being seen as divergent. You know what John Brennan just said? John Brennan, the former CIA director, he just said that there is a that there's a, a, a cadre of domestic extremists that need to be looked out for, they need to be caught, they need to be caught. Um, libertarians among those. So there's a question as to even what kind of sentiments will be accepted amongst this Biden government. Now, obviously, if they're instituting diversity training and they're instituting a lot of critical race theory stuff, which Biden has done by reversing President Trump's ban on critical race theory, uh, if they're doing all this stuff, it's quite evident to me that they don't really care about an academic inquiry. They don't really care about the free flow of thought. It's evident to me that Joe Biden cares about imposing a singular view of the world upon everyone else and treating that view of the world as an objective fact rather than a subjective musing. These executive orders reflect that. But there's a a bigger problem here too, my friends, other than just the principal issues. It disturbs me that many people, many presidents governed by executive order. 
because it makes their accomplishments or their supposed accomplishments entirely flimsy. And executive orders are so fickle. And they even, the legality of executive orders is still a question being debated in the Supreme Court. We don't even know how exactly executive orders relate to law, or if they do relate to law, how sturgeon they are. They're not treated on the same level in court decisions. So Biden is quite literally using fiat and assuming a, 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 a role of divinity and correcting the ills he sees in society. That's concerning to me. Maybe all these problems could simply be solved or could first be addressed initially by simply allowing people to do what they want and simply not having the government as this paternalistic arbiter of all of our circumstances. Now, now I'm not saying that it is as simple as simply, let's get the government out of the way. No, that's a very trite explanation of things. But I am saying that the government is causing a lot of the problems that we're experiencing with the coronavirus pandemic. The government is more dangerous than the pandemic. That'll seem controversial. People are dying from this thing. We should be respectful to each other. If your friend wants you to wear a mask or whatever, fine, do it. I'm not sure about these mask mandates. I'm I'm against that. But the government has been the biggest killer of people's economic prosperity and the biggest stifler of, of creative individual energies in this pandemic than the pandemic itself. So I just find it incredibly concerning. That, that this is the modus operandi of an incoming president. What does that mean? What does that mean? And I mentioned John Brennan recently. John Brennan mentioned how the intelligence community is going to zero in on all those problematic people, the anarchists, the fascists, the libertarians. All but Biden is actually taking concrete action. So this is from Politico. Natasha Bertrand uh, made today. 2.39 p.m. EST, Eastern Standard Time. President Joe Biden has asked the Office of the Director of National Intelligence to conduct a comprehensive threat assessment of domestic extremism following the January 6th assault on the Capitol by a violent mob that left five people dead. White House Press Secretary Jen Paskey, I hope I'm saying her name right, announced on Friday that Biden decided to ask for the review, which will be coordinated with the FBI and Department of Homeland Security, because clearly more needs to be done to address the rising threat posed by violent extremists across the country. Now, the problem with this is, I have no problem clamping down on domestic extremists, obviously. I believe in the preservation of natural rights and the the, uh, dictum of non-aggression. That should flow forth in all societal interactions. What I have a problem with is when the government begins to decide what they consider extreme and what metric they use to decide that, and then they begin targeting particular ideologies. And to target those ideologies, they begin going in and violating civil liberties. There is a cadre of 10 progressives in Congress right now who are saying, look, this domestic terrorist assessment idea um, being able to to uh, create an agency or create a branch of an agency to spy on supposed domestic terrorists is a violation of civil liberties. And they're right. It is. In the first three days of the Biden administration, we are seeing a very disturbing, a profoundly disturbing emphasis on rooting out, quote unquote, domestic terrorists. 
And when the government has the power to decide what exactly a domestic terrorist is, or what a terroristic or extremist, what they're calling it now, ideology is, they have the license, the artificial license, the contrived license, the false license to begin violating civil liberties. These are the first few days of the Biden administration. The first three days, my friends. The first three days. In the first three days of this administration, we have also seen many people on Twitter and Facebook get very upset about Joe Biden's lack of a mask at the Lincoln Memorial. And so we're about to go up on a break in a few minutes here, but we're going to talk about this. Because on one hand, hypocrisy is not respectable, but does it destroy an argument, though? There's a log- There are several standards in reality that we have to hit. There's a logical standard in reality. And no, no, this is like the, the pathos, logos, and the ethos, right? There are certain standards that we have to hit. Logic best connects us to reality and a good understanding of reality. Everything else helps in some way, but it's it's not a big a bitter bigger picture. So a lot of us have an emotional reaction to hypocrisy rather than a logical reaction to hypocrisy, and that emotional reaction gets us into some big trouble. Some huge trouble, actually. So we'll talk more about that after the break and everything. But um, if you guys are enjoying the show, I must encourage you to do a few things. First, please, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts at, on YouTube, wherever you see me at, wherever you're looking at me at, wherever you're hearing me at, please subscribe there. Leave a comment on Apple Podcasts if you possibly can. Comments help bolster my visibility. Um, leave a comment on my YouTube channel. Tell me where you came from. Twitter, if I Ravens, wherever you came from, um, leave a comment uh, on to me on my email. My email is officialcwatson.gmail.com. You can just email me there, and I'll respond. I promise you, I love emails. Um, donate to me if you possibly can. You just go to PayPal, and you type in officialcwatson.gmail.com, and you donate whatever amount you can, a dollar, a cent, a quarter, whatever you can. All of it helps me, helps this 20-year-old struggling college kid <laughs> you know, get, uh, get ahead a little bit. So... Wherever you guys are listening, thank you for being a part of the Pensipolitics experience. I really appreciate it. Because really, my friends, it is you guys who compel me to do this. It is you guys who keep me going. I obviously have ambitions and everything. But you guys, my listeners, keep me in the game. Because sometimes the game can be hard. What did Erica Badu say? She said that I understand the game. But I can't stand it. Erica Badu, the the great neo soul singer from the 1990s birth from um, stories of pain and love and resentment and, 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 and affection that came out of the late 1990s, 1997, particularly birth, beautiful genre, beautiful singer, everything. So any help you can give me, I sincerely appreciate it. Any help whatsoever, even if it's just a comment, even if it's just a note of encouragement, any help is genuinely appreciated. I promise you it is. So, we are coming up on our break time here. Again, you were listening to me on the, the Fed Ravens Radio Network, on Spotify, Apple Podcast, YouTube, wherever you are. I want to encourage you guys to continue to listen and to also come back when the break is done. I love you guys so much. I will be back right after this break. Okay, I'll see you.
All right, my friends, welcome back to Pencil Positive, Mr. Watson. It's good to be with you guys today, wherever you are. If you're on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, I love all my listeners, wherever you are. Thank you. Again, if you want to help me, want to help the show and help the brand grow so I can do this full time, I'm doing it full time, so I can do it even more full time, um, please donate to me on my PayPal, officiallywatson.gmail.com. Um, subscribe to me on YouTube, Christian Watson, that's my channel name, on Twitter, on Facebook. Uh, all are of those titles are going to be at official c watson if you guys can just help me out i will be forever in your debt forever grateful for you forever grateful for you so i want to announce something i, I wanted to wait a little bit into the show to announce this because i didn't want this to be blatantly obvious because i want to kind of keep it in suspense we have two very special guests coming up on pensive politics podcast on the pensive politics podcast over the next few weeks tomorrow saturday january 23rd we have Former Democratic presidential candidate, New Age spiritual author, and Oprah Winfrey spiritual advisor, Marianne Williamson. She is going to be on the show with us, and I am very grateful. Look, uh, Pence politics is still growing. It's still an experiment. It's an experiment in the philosophy of politics. And to have someone who not only has a very good grasp of philosophy, but has a very well-defined worldview that it has been put under years upon years upon years of peer review and public approbation or public derision, whatever the case might be, whatever one's opinion of her might be, that is nothing short of honorable. I, I am incredibly happy that she's coming on, and I respect people of all viewpoints. I mean, Marianne Williamson and I, we have very different ideological beliefs. Um, I'm a libertarian, and she is a progressive. But I respect her because she has integrity. See, we don't have to agree. If you have integrity, if you stand for what you stand for and don't apologize for it, if you are doing your best to understand the world, understand what is right and what is bad, no matter what conclusion you come out at, you have integrity and I respect that. So I'm incredibly happy to have Mary Williams coming on the show. It's a blessing. You also have Scott Bale, Chachi from from Happy Days, um, one of the most outspoken conservative voices in Hollywood. We've got Scott Bale coming on, people. We've got Scott Bale coming on. I'm happy about that, and I love Scott Bale. Scott Bale is one of my favorite actors. People are like Christian, you're 20 years old. What do you know about Scott Bale? I so it's a funny story. I was sitting, I was this one night a few years ago. I was sitting watching. AME or some other uh, TV movie channel. And Perry Mason in the case of the fatal fashion came on. And Scott Bayo was there playing a young prosecutor in the case of the fatal fashion. And he did a phenomenal job. Like, I thought that for a second, I thought Bayo was actually a prosecutor. <laughs> I'm like, my God, imagine if I had, I had gone into law. Because that's how good he does his roles. Scott Bayo is a good actor. And Chachi in Happy Days, he was an iconic figure. Um, see Dad Run on Nickelodeon a few a few years back when I used to watch Nickelodeon. I'm 20 now. I don't do that stuff anymore. So Scott Baio has always been an actor that I like, that I have admired. And to have him coming on my show, my creation, is nothing short of honorable. So... Those interviews are happening. Marianne is happening tomorrow. Um, uh, Mr. Bayo is happening next week. I cannot tell you how excited I am for this, my friends. 
this is an exciting time for the show. It's an exciting time for me as a commentator. And I hope that all of you, regardless of your political disposition, are going to be able to enjoy these moments with me. Because look, as many of you know, you're not going to always agree with me. Sometimes we're going to have very different estimations of how things are or what things are. Even if you're a conservative, you may think that I am too lax on immigration. You may think that I'm too lax on moral, quote-unquote moral ills like pornography or prostitution. You may think that uh, all these things are problematic in terms of my approach to the world. If you're a progressive, you might think that I don't care enough about uh, workers' rights or equity or women's equality or racial justice. You may think that I support corporations too much. You may think that I, you, you may agree with me on the uh, civil rights issue and the, the natural rights issue to a certain extent. And you may agree with me on civil liberties. You may agree with me on the military, but you may not agree with me on on uh, on social justice. So I mean, who, well, regardless of what you believe, I'm probably going to cause some cognitive dissonance within you at some point in time. And I'm not trying to, but I I want you guys to think. I don't care what you believe. I'm a philosopher, for goodness sakes, or a novice philosopher. I want you guys to be good at thinking and not just good at believing. And, you know, I will post a video on my YouTube channel, and I'll lose, like, six subscribers. And I wonder, Christian, what are you doing wrong? And I understand. It's not me. People are constructing an image of who they think that I am, and then they're using that image... To make a judgment. It's not a... If I can leave you guys any encouragement before I begin my news talk. It's not about other people's perceptions of your achievements or your possibilities. It's about you. It's not about them. It's about you. You got to understand that. I was... I've been telling myself that. like, Mr. Watson, it's not about them. It's about you. It's not about the people who you share your work with and don't appreciate it. It's about you. It's not about people who um, unsubscribe from you and don't come back. It's about you. It's about you, Christian. It's about you. It's about you. It's about you, Cindy. It's about you, Jack. It's about you, Jeff, whoever you are. It's about you, Todd. It's about you, Sean. Whoever, whatever your name is, it's about you. Insert your name here. It's about you. Understand that. And in the process of understanding the primacy of you, the self, the individual self in this world, let's talk about Joe Biden's mass mandates and how Joe Biden apparently didn't follow his own mass mandate and how that's calling causing outrage. So, well, Fox News reporting 22 hours ago, up to two hours ago, that Biden has bigger issues to worry about than following his own mass mandate. It's come from Jen Paskey, his White House press secretary. So, a lot of people, especially in the right leaning spirit of Twitter, immediately erupted when Joe Biden did not wear his mask at Lincoln Memorial. They're saying, rules for thee, not for me, all these things. I was unsurprised. I wasn't angry, but I was unsurprised. I was disappointed, certainly. But I find that hypocrisy is one of the most trite and boring arguments ever conceived of in political minds. When you say this person is engaging in hypocrisy, oftentimes that itself is standing in as a value judgment. So the first problem with this argument of hypocrisy is that hypocrisy doesn't even address the issue. It addressed how the issue is approached. 
Let me say that again. <laughs> you guys don't get this. Hypocrisy does not diagnose the problem with the issue. It diagnoses the approach to the issue. So if you are trying to argue that Joe Biden's mask mandates are bad, the moment you blast him for not following his mask mandates, which are allegedly unjust, you are actually steel-manning and reinforcing Joe Biden's mask mandates. That's not your intention, but that's what you're doing. Maybe him not wearing a mask should be used as an argument to say, you know what? The president himself sees circumstances in which masks are not life or death. Why in the world are we being suspended in a space in which our administrators, our leaders, our politicians, our governors are treating mask wearing as a matter of life and death? That could be a plausible question. Now, this does not mean that that, you know, the argument could go into saying that, well, you know, just because the president does it does not mean it's a good thing or whatever. So I'm not trying to make an argument from authority, but there is a plausible question that can be posed about this mask mandate business from Biden's reluctance to wear the mask. But hypocrisy does not address the issue. So what if Tim lights up a pack of cigarettes, lights up a cigarette, and talks to little Jimmy? Jimmy is 16. He says, Jimmy, while he's puffing cigarette, Jimmy, it is bad for you to smoke. Don't do it. Is Tim's advice invalid because Tim is not taking it? Or is there something bigger than Tim? The grand truth that Tim is trying to convey, but has not himself began to enact action to cohere his actions to the truth. It's the latter. It is good to be a, a, a moral example of things. It is good to be a good example of things. I have no problem with that. That is absolutely fine. I am fine with people being good examples to people. There's no problem whatsoever with that in the mind of Christian Jeremiah Watson. There's no problem whatsoever with that. But I do have a problem with people supplanting their own values in an effort to own, or to best, their political opponents. So many people who are criticizing Biden for not wearing the mask don't support mask mandates, but are actually being tricked into supporting mask mandates by course of their argument. And we understand mask mandates are unjust. Pete Buttigieg just said that I'm going to make it my priority to enforce a mask mandate in all forms of interstate travel. Pete Buttigieg, the incoming, perhaps incoming, Secretary of Transportation. That's immoral. It's immoral because it is an external entity trying to make a value judgment for me that's the first thing that's immoral. At the risk of force. Second thing. So this sort of dual mechanism which makes it immoral. The coercion always makes it immoral. 
and the usurpation of my will, the assailment of my will by external parties makes it doubly immoral. We also we understand this. At least most of us understand this. We understand that masks themselves it's still up in the air about what they what they do. We under, we we have an idea that masks can stop people who are infected from COVID spreading, but there's still a lot of science that is contradictory and is confusing and it's just and to and to to, to act as if someone doesn't wear a mask is going to be killing people. I mean, just to act with such sanctimony is just it's divorced from reality. So there are arguments that can be made against the mask mandates. Certainly, arguments that I support because I'm not I'm not for mask. I'm not I'm not for any kind of mandate. I'm not for lockdowns. I'm not for shutdowns. I'm not for mask mandates. But I think that we need to catch ourselves when we see ourselves criticizing the hypocrisy of our administrators, of our leaders, of our politicians, rather than engaging with the positions that they are embodying and they are defending. Let's engage with their positions as opposed to simply calling them out for having a raw methodology in the due course of their convictions. Simple. So that's the, what I, that story just annoys me. It, it, it annoys me because, I don't know, it just, it's just very annoying. Now, Jen Paskey, though, her deal, this lady, for her to say that and she said that racial equity and all these things, that is more important than these universal rules. It's very clear the Biden administration does not see the mask issue as a necessity for their agenda in the reimagining of the American individual. Because Biden is most certainly reimagining the American individual. Oh, yeah. Sure. Sure. He is. The American individual is that being which manifests from those traditions started in Freedom Hall in Philadelphia. Cultivated through the history of this country. It's an individual who was built on the frontier, or with the frontier mentality, built from self-reliance, built from individual freedom. That individual is now being obscured beneath heavy language, language which defines the experience of black Americans as universal and uniform. Language which gives preferential treatment equity, as the Biden people call it, to artificially marginalized, quote-unquote marginalized groups in the pursuit of a botched form of justice. Again, obscuring the American individual beneath these stories, these tales. Every culture has myths. Mythos. And the mythos of the Biden administration right now appears to be that there are just so many people by virtue or by vice of their skin color, by virtue or by vice of their sexual orientation, by virtue or by vice of their um, you know, gender, 
whatever class, whatever idea, this sort of collective idea of who people are, this this notion that that is what matters and that is how we weigh things. That's why Joe Biden, he's announced that his economic considerations for the COVID pandemic will address underserved minority communities. Because apparently all minority communities, all minorities face an existential problem, which they cannot get out of, except unless they have Joe Biden's help. When you create this mythos in which you operate in, you, you, you demean and you forget the truth. Heraclitus, the ancient Greek philosopher, said that the biggest problem with men, or the biggest problem with people in general, is that they operate in this reality with their own private understandings of it. And they ignore the universal constant, the object of truth in our reality, the logos. Joe Biden is ignoring the logos. Kamala Harris is ignoring the logos. The Biden economic infrastructure, which emphasizes racial justice and egalitarianism, is ignoring the logos. Because the logos is quite clear. The logos is seen in how our individual selves correspond to reality. The logos is so evident. But Biden has a private understanding, a mythos in my words, of how he is perceiving and perceiving the realities of this American society. He's ignoring the logos. He's using statistics and stereotypical understandings of certain people to make broad assertions and policy prescriptions for those very people. He's engaging in a confusion of individuals and groups and trying to address group issues without realizing that group issues are indeed, ultimately, problems of the individuals within those groups. Joe Biden has not just ignored the Logos, he's besmirched the Logos. Kamala Harris is not just ignoring the Logos, she's ripping it apart, or trying to. But the thing about the Logos is that it is so constant and so enduring that no politician can usurp it. Buckley said, do not eminentize the eschaton. Don't try to bring heaven onto this earth because there will be problems because reality is a constant and it has constraints and we operate within the constraints of reality. And reality will always push back against any attempt to usurp its truth, usurp its principles. Once again, it goes back to the Logos. Ladies and gentlemen, all this is occurring within three days, two half, no, two full, one half, three days of feedback, three days of all kind of stuff from the Biden administration. That is the context in which all this stuff is occurring, three days. As I said in the video today, this is simply a cautionary tale. This is simply a, a bad joke of a cautionary tale for what is to come for the next few years.
And so what do you do? As I mentioned before, it is up to you to engage in intellectual combat, not physical. You fight with reason. You fight under the auspices of the light of the truth, as Socrates so brilliantly said in Book Nine of the Republic. You fight with all these things in mind. But you do so righteously. You, and that means you do so with kindness. You do so with love. You do so with patience. Because there are so many things happening from the troops, which I, I should have talked about the troops today, the troops being pushed out of the capital and put into cramped living conditions in the middle of a pandemic, being completely and utterly disregarded for their hard work, their thankless work oftentimes, and President Trump having to say, if you want to come stay at my hotel in Washington, D.C., right across from my house, please come stay. This is simply a cautionary tale of what is to come, my friends. Now, the question is, are you prepared to deal with what is to come? Or, better yet, are you prepared to deal with, deal with what is to come? Or are you prepared to understand it and engage it in whatever manner is pleasing to you. We ought to understand what is happening. We ought to understand what is occurring in our society. We ought to understand. Because understanding is the key that unlocks the door of action. You cannot act efficiently if you don't understand what you're acting upon and what you're acting about. you got to understand some things, my friends. you got to understand things. Don't be like politicians in Washington, many of whom ignore the logos and enshrine themselves to their private understanding of reality. Don't be like certain people in certain classes and certain groups who have the temerity to just besmirch people who I bet they see as their servants rather than those deserving dignity. Don't operate with their ideas. Don't operate with their values. You are your values. Let your values animate you towards a better kind of politics, a more human kind of politics, a more individualistic kind of politics, bound by the linchpin of axioms and not uh, the, the, the perilous sands of contingent thinking and moral subjectivism, relativism, and solipsism. Allow yourself to be full, filled with those ideas. Because if you don't, if you don't do it, no one else is going to do it. You are the pensive being listening to me. It is incumbent upon you. America is not this mass organism that can be tested and prodded and studied and pushed towards a particular goal with government policies, America is the sum of you and me. This is America happening right here over this internet, over this stream of consciousness. This is America. Understand that you are America. You, your heart is America. You, your passions, they are America. Every action you do is affirmed by liberty, and liberty is America. Understand that, my friends, and take that value, and take that virtue most certainly. And use it as a shield, as a plate of armor.
that you use to engage those who besmirch these virtues. This is a war of ideas, and we're going to win the ideas war. Not a war of cultures, a war of ideas. Because all this is happening within the meta-narrative of the American culture. It's a war of cultures, war of ideas. All right, my friends. Again, if you like the show, please subscribe to us on YouTube. Um, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Pandora, wherever you get your podcasts at. Subscribe. Rate us on YouTube. Rate us on Facebook uh, at Official C. Watson. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Minds.com at Official C. Watson. Um, follow me on Twitter, Christian Watson. But most importantly, my friends, I love you. Think on what I've said. And please stay pensive. I will see you on Monday. I'll see you on Saturday, actually. I'll see you on Saturday with Miss Williamson. Bye, guys. Stay pensive.